This episode includes discussion of suicide. If you or someone you know is struggling, you can call or text the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. A community researcher from Red Lake, she looked at dementia in the context of the medicine wheel teachings and how the medicine wheel can also be used to help know and understanding how we care for people living with dementia, the role of family, intergenerational connections as well, making sure that whole communities are involved. Bonjour, hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo Miigwech, for joining us today. Native Lights is more than a podcast and radio show, people. We're talking at its core, this is a place for Native folks to tell their stories. And we love doing this each and every week, where we have captivating conversations with great guests, a whole lot of different backgrounds, musicians, artists, doctors, healthcare advocates, researchers, language warriors, you name it. We talk to them about their gifts and how they share their gifts with the community. And it centers around finding purpose in our lives and always the added benefit of amplifying native voices. Leah, what's up? Hey, doing all right? Hanging in there? How about you? Just chilling, just chilling, you know? Just passing it right on back to you. <laughs> Boop. Uh, okay, we're recording this right now. It's kind of like the holiday season. December. Do you get your Christmas presents mm -hmm. like way in advance or is this like a gradual thing or is it a last minute thing? How do you deal? How do you deal with it? I would say gradual. And it's really bad because then I'll get presents that I just want to give to the person already. Like I've already given Marvin a couple of presents <laughs> that of were meant for, you know, the holiday, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. We're getting a family gift this year. So that's a little different strategy that we have. So that will, I don't know. It's just a different way to approach gift giving. Just all agree on a family gift. Marvin be like, it's not for me though. <laughs> oh, it is for him too. It's, it's for all of us. just for me though. <laughs> we went and picked it out. Not just for me. In Duluth. Nice. And we should be getting it someday soon. I, I can't wait to hear what this mysterious gift is. Do you want to know what it is? <laughs> yes, what is it? It is a full-on, like, pro massage chair. <laughs> For real? <laughs> like the kind you go to the mall and <laughs> use your credit card to buy time on. Oh, like a chair, like a massage chair. Yeah, that has like the rolly things in it. Oh, yes, and yes, is, yes. Like, mechanical. Oh, that's Yeah, that's one of those. <laughs> Just zone out. You could do the <laughs> podcast we from that. We have solar panels. Otherwise, our electric bill would be whoop. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You got to plug the solar panels. But that's what we all decided on. <laughs> well, that sounds great. No, I, Marvin will love that. All right. <laughs> we got to get to today's episode and very excited for this. Today we're speaking with Dr. Melissa Blind, uh, who's doing a lot of good work. Melissa Blind is Cree from George Gordon's First Nation in Saskatchewan. She earned her PhD in American Indian Studies from the University of Arizona and has over a decade of experience working in indigenous communities in both health and dementia research. 
She's currently a senior research associate on the Memory Keepers Medical Discovery Team at the University of Minnesota Duluth campus. And Memory Keepers is focused on collaborative research to improve dementia outcomes in indigenous and rural communities. So can't wait to hear all about that work and much more. And here she is, Buju Melissa. Hi. Hi, Melissa. Appreciate your uh, time. Thank you for having me. We'd like to start out with introductions. So Buju Melissa, could you start by please introducing yourself? Yes, of course. My name is Melissa Blind. I am Cree from George Gurn's First Nation in Saskatchewan, Canada. I am a senior research associate at Memory Keepers Medical Discovery Team. I have a PhD in American Indian Studies from the University of Arizona. Great. Um, we always like to ask, how's your family doing? How are you doing? My family's doing really good. So uh, they're doing really good. I'm doing pretty good. We got a little bit of snow here in Duluth today, so it's not going to last very long, though. So, <laughs> where do you live in Duluth, and is it like difficult in the winters with like the hills? And all that, like, do you have to travel on those hills? Where I live is in the Condon area. So I live closer to the lake. So during the winter, it's a lot warmer down by the lake. Whereas if you start going up towards campus or anywhere past woodland, that's where it starts getting pretty, pretty scary in terms of the hills and the ice and, and just the different weather patterns here in Duluth. Yes, I love to tell the story of back when I had my Prius driving up a hill in Duluth and ending up sliding backwards, just completely trying to go forward, but whoop, backwards. No more though. <laughs> I have a bigger car. All wheel drive. <laughs> well, let's see. So what would you say is on the top of your mind these days? So I recently just got back from Hawaii. So our team put on the International Indigenous Dementia Research Network Conference. And so it's the very first conference that focuses on Indigenous dementia. Mm. And so there were over probably close to 150 people from across the globe. So a lot of people from Canada, the US, Australia, New Zealand, a lot of researchers from Hawaii as well, and really focused on you know, sharing their stories, sharing their stories, sharing what they're they're learning, working with Indigenous people, Indigenous communities, trying to better understand how best to, you know, when we're looking at dementia, especially within Indigenous communities, how people might think about it differently than in the mainstream society. So, so really kind of riding that wave from from the conference and hearing all these amazing stories and understanding, you know, how dementia and especially caring for somebody living with dementia is really an act of love. I have the privilege of working with some community-based researchers in Manitoulin Island, Ontario, as well as Grand Portage here in Minnesota, Red Lake Nation and the Oneida Nation. And, you know, hearing their stories and hearing, you know, just, just in terms of thinking about dementia and working with all the communities, like it, it's just something I'm really fortunate I'm able to do. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. 
Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Dr. Melissa Blind. Melissa is Cree from George Gordon's First Nation in Saskatchewan and is currently the Senior Research Associate on the Memory Keepers Medical Discovery Team at the University of Minnesota Duluth campus. Memory Keepers is focused on collaborative research to improve dementia outcomes in Indigenous and rural communities. So at this conference on Indigenous dementia out in Hawaii, lucky, yeah. <laughs> what were the themes that came out of that? So there's a couple different areas that we focused on. So some of them were looking at culturally relevant and safe assessments, so cognitive assessments. Mm-hmm. Also looking at community approaches to care. And then there's more looking at the biological factors as well. So there's a couple looking at incidence and prevalence of dementia within Indigenous populations, as well as looking at, you know, some of those risk factors as well. One of the projects that I'm a coordinator on is called the Eye Care Project, and it's really looking at cultural understandings of dementia. And so a couple of the community-based researchers in the work that we do, we've interviewed traditional knowledge keepers on their understandings of dementia. And for one of the presentations, January Johnson, a community researcher from Red Lake, she looked at dementia in the context of the medicine wheel teachings. And so she was able to really dive into to looking at those concepts and teachings throughout and how the medicine wheel can also be used to help, you know, in understanding how we care for people living with dementia, you know, the role of family, also in terms of looking at intergenerational connections as well. So making sure that, you know, the whole community is involved, that caregiving just doesn't fall onto one or two people, but being able to bring in, you know, even children in terms of having them help out or play a game or anything like that and being able to expand education about dementia all throughout the the life cycle so is dementia more prevalent among indigenous populations can you talk about that a little bit yeah for sure so from what we do know because there's there's not a lot of information that's available but from what we do know the rates are much higher in Indigenous populations. So within the U.S., there's some studies that suggest that it's about 13.6% higher than in non-Indigenous populations in Canada, because we do work with Indigenous populations in both Ontario as well as here in Minnesota and, and Wisconsin. The rates are about three to five times higher and about 10 years earlier at onset. And so when you think about some of the the risk factors for dementia, so uh, you have non-modifiable risk factors as well as, and those include age or genetics. So if you have a family history, that could play into it as well. When you're looking at non-modifiable risk factors, so I always try to explain to people, you know, anything that you do for your heart is also good for your, your brain. So, you know, being able to exercise, you know, get fresh air, diet is a big one. Foods that we that we eat, really, really big. Also in terms of thinking about, you know, head injuries as well. And, you know, trying to reduce head, head injuries. 
And I don't know about uh, you, but growing up wearing helmets while going out and riding bikes or anything else like that, that wasn't really the focus when I was a kid. It was just like, just get outside. So there'd be certain times where uh, I'd be out skating and take a pretty nasty fall or Another time I was out at my aunt's place and I was riding one of her horses that was, I didn't have a saddle that was properly fitted to me. So when this horse took off, I ended up going right over the top of it and uh, ended up getting a pretty bad concussion throughout that. And so thinking about the amount of concussions that people have and that being a risk factor for dementia later on, like that's be pretty scary. <laughs> Now that you say that, there's plenty of incidences as a child where you take a tumble and hit your head, and it's something you don't quite think about, but those can add up, you know, linger. And is it access to just people not knowing that there's, you know, access to, you know, care for these certain things? For sure. For sure. So when you start thinking about, you know, a dementia diagnosis and what does that actually look like? having access to medical care, having access to physicians who are going to be able to do an assessment and then also do a referral to a neurologist or, or anything like that in order to go through all the, the different steps. So, and some of the things that might further impact that is, you know, if you have a person who has a lot of comorbidities, say if they have diabetes, high blood pressure. They might also have other things going on. You know, the their family doctor might just focus on those other things and not necessarily ask about, you know, if they're having any troubles with their memory. So just in terms of being able to, they might just prioritize some of the things that they see right in front of them as opposed to asking further questions. Thanks for that. How is dementia looked at through a cultural lens, say, in tribal nations in Minnesota, particularly. Is there another way that that's been interpreted, like, say, in the past? Yeah, yeah. So from some of our research and just, uh, you know, the interviews that we've conducted with know, traditional knowledge keepers, as well as administrators and healthy older adults. A lot of times people uh, talk about dementia as being part of the aging process. They've also talked about it as going back to childhood. So that's one of the things that we've heard quite a bit in terms of going back through the medicine wheel and, and looking at those medicine wheel teachings and that circle of life. So in terms of going from childhood all the way through to elderhood and then came back to that childlike state. So I'm also going to preface all of this by saying I, I don't have a, a medical degree. I should have started that off uh, saying that in terms of how I came into this, this type of research. So for my master's project, I looked at uh, the role of women within traditional Cree stories. And I worked with storytellers out in Saskatchewan. I worked with Maria Campbell and Joseph Natauhau. And after I finished my, my master's, I went to the University of Arizona and 
started on my PhD down there. And so with that, I didn't start off thinking about dementia or neurological conditions or anything else. I actually wanted to look at food sovereignty and and look at, you know, the the role food plays in our in our diet and how it's changed. That was part of where I was trying to go. And then my little brother, he ended up dying by suicide. And that kind of threw off everything in terms of what I was studying, what I was doing, and and what I thought would be important at the time. So I took a little bit of a break from my PhD program and actually got a job at the Native Women's Association of Canada in Ottawa. I worked on a national population health study focusing on neurological conditions. And so the project, it was one of the only projects in this public health agency of Canada funding scheme looked at looking at neurological conditions. And so our project focused on interviewing Indigenous women that either lived with a neurological condition or cared for somebody with a neurological condition. And so my role within that project was I did a little bit of everything. So it was national in scope, which meant, you know, we interviewed people from all throughout the provinces up to the Yukon and really looked at neurological conditions more broadly. So looking at neurological conditions in terms of anything to do with the brain, the spine, or the nervous system. And so from there, really thinking through in terms of how are neurological conditions understood, how are people cared for? And, you know, it was the first time for a lot of people being asked these questions. And so with that, it kind of really helped me in terms of seeing, you know, that there's such a huge need within Indigenous health and understanding, you know, how people not just think about, you know, these conditions, but in terms of looking at health access and health equity and why it's so important for physicians to understand where people are coming from and and understand some of the, not just barriers to, to care, but also in terms of thinking through a lot of the strengths that they're bringing as well and resourcefulness that people have to have because of the fact that, you know, there is a lot of racism within the healthcare system. And it's, there's a lot of, you know, we're trying to work on that through health education at throughout medical schools and everything else, but it's still there. And, you know, especially for within some communities, it's just, that's a lot more prevalent. Thank you for sharing. And I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your brother. How did it all bring you to memory keepers? Yeah, good question. So when I was working for Native Women's Association of Canada, we had a an advisory, a large advisory group that helped kind of guide the research that we were doing. And so one member on the advisory group was Dr. Kristen Jacklin. She is at the Northern Ontario School of Medicine at the time. And so she worked closely with the First Nations communities on Manitoulin Island. And they actually came to her in 2007 and just said, like, you know, we're starting to see more and more 
issues with dementia within our community. We're starting to see more and more people coming forward. It's not just diabetes, but also dementia as well. And so the communities there asked her to, to look into this further, to work with them to look into this further. Yeah, so I met her through through that Native Women's Association of Canada project in 2011. And by that point, she is wrapping up data collection, working with six different sites, and really trying to gain a basic understanding of how is dementia understood within the communities? What are some of the areas around access to care? And, and also in terms of, you know, what are some of the differences across the sites? And so after I finished with my role at the Native Women's Association of Canada, that one was a two-year project that I was working on. So it wrapped up in 2013. We didn't have any more funding to keep going with it. And uh, I basically, yeah, just ended up moving out to British Columbia and kept in contact with Kristen. And from there, I think she in 2013, I started working for her just remotely. So doing a contract, trying to look at, you know, putting together the reports, doing the data analysis on, on the data that has been collected. And I moved out to Sudbury in 2014 and started working more closely with her. So how I came to Memory Keepers is in 2016 or so, she was recruited because of her work within dementia within Indigenous populations in Canada. She was recruited to come to Memory Keepers medical discovery team and kind of expand the research here in Minnesota. And so I asked if she'd be willing to bring me with her. And she said, yep, yeah, sure. No, why not? And uh, yeah, so I was able to, to do that. So as I said, part of my role within the projects that we work on is to implement it on the ground and, and work with communities and understand what their needs are and just, you know, make sure that you know, the community's voices are heard throughout the research. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Melissa Blind. Melissa is Cree from George Gordon's First Nation in Saskatchewan and is currently the Senior Research Associate on Memory Keepers Medical Discovery Team at the University of Minnesota Duluth. Memory Keepers is focused on collaborative research to improve dementia outcomes in indigenous and rural communities. I see that Memory Keepers medical discovery team works with indigenous and rural communities. Are those kept separate or are they kind of together in the research? They are kept separate for right now. So they are okay. separate. And uh, so there is a rural side and they're the mm -hmm. Surter team. And so they work closely with the areas of aging. So the agency areas of aging. And this research is so interesting. I mean, you mentioned you're not a medical doctor, right? Mm -hmm. Like, no problem, because I can see how this research can loop into yeah. the medical field, like how best to work with indigenous populations with dementia. Have you seen any of that come to reality? So with memory keepers, part of that mandate is also working with the med school and 
with a lot of the faculty members, you know, being able to share some of the, the best practices, ensuring, you know, cultural safety is a part of the curriculum and going from there. So it, I think we'll be seeing it more and more as we come through. So, and then with, so I guess with some of our previous work, drawing from what we did in Canada, so we developed culturally safe dementia fact sheets. And this was based off of a lot of the work that was done through that foundational project, interviewing people who lived with dementia, their caregivers and, and elders all throughout. And so really looking at, you know, some of the differences and making sure that that community voice was centered throughout those, those fact sheets. Also in terms of looking at, you know, some of the different stages and how those might look different from what the Alzheimer's Association is, is putting out. So with a lot of Indigenous populations, a person might not be diagnosed until much later on in their, their progression. And as I said before, part of that might be because of, you know, people are just caring for that person or helping step in and helping out where needed. And so filling in some of those gaps that they're, that they're seeing. Part of that might also be because of lack of access to, to healthcare. Or if you have a doctor's appointment, like perhaps that's not the most relevant thing on your list right at that point in time. And so making sure that, you know, that they, they are cared for. When you're thinking about dementia within a lot of uh, tribal communities, if they don't have a nursing home within the community, you know, run the risk of having that person taken out of the community and, you know, losing that really important aspect of having them there, having family together. What does a culturally safe Indigenous dementia fact sheet look like? So it's drawing from what we're hearing from Indigenous people involved in the research. And so it's drawing from their voice, their experiences, also in terms of softening the language. So within the Alzheimer's Association, there are certain signs and symptoms that negate, you know, cultural understanding. So an example of that is within the Alzheimer's Association, they might say if, if the person is starting to experience hallucinations or seeing things that other people can't see that's a hallucination and that's a that might be a sign or a symptom of dementia whereas within a lot of our communities it may be getting closer to that transition period and so you know they may be seeing the ancestors coming to to help them on their journey and so we wouldn't negate that we would listen to that we would honor that Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Is there any final thoughts that you have? Anything you'd like to say about memory keepers or just in general? I just am really grateful for this opportunity to to share a little bit about the work that we do. The communities that we work with have been so generous and, and just patient in terms of, you know, us working together, learning from them, understanding what's needed. Super interesting. Yeah, there's there's so much going on, and you know, it really goes to show that, you know, something that I've learned covering Native communities 
is the importance of not only having just medical care and all that stuff available, it's to reach out to communities and to build that trust. And that's been something that I've certainly become more aware of. So miigwech to Dr. Melissa Blind. Melissa is Cree from the George Gordon's First Nation in Saskatchewan and is working with Memory Keepers Medical Discovery Team at the University of Minnesota Duluth. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabamin. Gigawabamin. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.